Well, guys, it is a privilege and a joy uh, to be with y'all tonight. Uh, my name is Ryan Nixon. I have new life in Christ, and I'm recovering from pride, lust, worshiping what people think of me in this past week, uh, grief and fear of man. Hello. And guys, I'm, I'm excited for a number of reasons. One, I love being with y'all on Monday nights. It is a joy and a privilege to serve alongside our coaches and leaders and our staff team uh, to walk alongside y'all for whatever it is that's bringing you in these doors. Um, but even a greater privilege than that is I'm excited to share the love of my life, my best friend, my beautiful bride, sexy wife. Me, right? Yes, that's okay. you. <laughs> Mother of my children, Miss <laughs> Callie Nixon. Hi. Come on. Hi, guys. My name's Callie Nixon. I have new life in Christ, and I am in recovery from pride, fear of failure, and idolatry of food. And this week, running to entertainment to satisfy me rather than Jesus. Hi, guys. Hi, Callie. Hi, babe. Great to have you here. Super happy to be here. <laughs> hey, so tonight, we are ending our series on struggles, and, and we're going to be talking about the struggle of sexual sin. And so I, as we were looking at what we we're going to be teaching on, um, I asked my wife, I said, hey, would you be willing to come and teach with me on this together? Because um, in the midst of just our own brokenness, sexual sin is something that both of us uh, before marriage um, found ourselves um, just struggling with and giving into on a regular basis. And it's also something that we brought into marriage and that we had to experience healing and recovery individually and also um, in our own marriage. And so just on such an important topic, like there's so many different facets of sexual sin and, and that we, we're not gonna have enough time to talk about. And so we're gonna talk about like what we walk through individually and also as a couple, as it pertains to lust, pornography, and masturbation. And we know that it might not be a part of your story, like your sexual sin might involve someone else um, or infidelity or broken trust in the midst of marriage um, or maybe even sexual abuse where there's something that happened to you. And, and again, we could spend hours and days talking about the different aspects of how sexual sin can cause destruction in our lives. And we're just gonna focus on you know, this little sliver um, of this topic. And also tonight's gonna look a little different. And so I know typically we'll do a teaching up front and then a testimony on the back end. Uh, but tonight we're gonna both share our stories and our journey with sexual sin and the recovery and healing that we found from Christ. Um, and then we're gonna jump into some teaching on that topic um, afterwards. And so just gonna start off with, with my story. Um, a lot of y'all have heard bits and pieces of it, um, but just gonna share again. Like, I think a passage of scripture that I identify as just what I've walked through throughout my life is Psalm 32, where it says, for when I kept silent, my bones wasted away as through, um, as through the heat of the summer. Um, my bones wasted away, groaning all day long. For day and night, your, heavy was heavy upon me. your hand was heavy upon me, and my strength was dried up as in the heat of the summer. That's what I get from memorizing multiple versions of that. Hey, way to save that. It's because yeah. he memorized a lot, folks. Oh, thanks, Not because he tripped over reading it. That was good. He has so many versions memorized. Keep going. And we were wondering if there's going to be any levity in this message. I'm so glad that I'm here with you. You're welcome. Thanks, babe. Anyways, I butchered that. I should have shared, never mind. Hey, that passage describes me. Because I came to know Christ at an early age. I was 11 years old when I trusted Christ. But after trusting Christ, um, I was introduced to pornography and introduced to sexual curiosity. Um, 
And just, there was just a, a chaos of, of addictive behaviors that marked my life from an early age, all throughout junior high and high school, into college, and those addictive behaviors even continued on into my marriage. You see, early on, as I trusted Christ, um, I wanted to run hard after him, but then also what crept in my life was just legalism and, and fear of what other people thought of me, worshiping what other people thought of me. And so there was this, this public life that I had as I seemed to be growing in my relationship with the Lord, and then also this private life to where I found myself over and over again giving into this temptation um, and finding myself in this cycle of crying out to God, guilt and shame, um, begging for him to change things, and then winding up in the same place um, a few days, weeks, or months later. And this continued on um, all the way, uh, just nobody knew about it at all. Like, and it was just a constant struggle of mine that I gave myself over to on a, on a regular basis. And, and as I moved into college, it was the first time that I was introduced to, to confession and accountability and small group of other believers. And, and with that, they, you know, we began to share openly Um, but not honestly about our struggles with lust, pornography, and masturbation. Um, And so with that, that kind of allowed me to continue to mask this sin in my life uh, just behind general confessions uh, to where I was not experiencing healing and freedom that God wanted for me. And I continued to give myself over to this. Um, And I'd see seasons of experiencing more and more freedom um, as I began to walk with Christ and began to try to invite people in. Um, But this cycle continued um, as I jumped into uh, kind of training uh, with ministry, um, with, with uh, a parachurch ministry, and then jumped into full-time ministry with students uh, for a number of years. And during that time, um, I also got married to my best friend and my beautiful wife. And I thought that, hey, now that I move into marriage, this struggle, this temptation, this addiction is going to fall and fade away. Um, but it didn't. It continued into marriage. Um, and four years into marriage, five years into full-time ministry, um, that, that verse became, became true in my life to where I finally felt the heaviness on, of the Lord upon me enough to where I was done trying to figure out how to manage this on my own. And I confessed to my wife, confessed to our community group, um, and in the midst of that confession and sharing with them really for the first time honestly and openly about what was going on, um, a part of my next steps was showing up here on Monday night. And there was a lot of pride, a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of management of what I wanted other people to think of me. But this began the path, and recovery on Monday nights began the path of me experiencing healing. Um, And so excited for just the ways that God has continued to reveal to me how he wants me to experience freedom um, from this uh, thing that is a continual struggle that I have to fight daily against. Yeah, so my story um begins just with two very, very faithful parents who were, by God's grace, very in love with the person of Jesus and never pushed in my life um, religiosity. They pushed a relationship with this person um, who was real to them and became very, very real to me at a very young age. And so um, for as long as I can remember, I have loved Jesus. And um, yet the concept of eternal security was not super stuck in my brain because every night before I go to sleep, just in case he left that day, I would ask him to come back into my heart again, not really understanding that once he's there, he's sealed and he will always be there. Uh, but that also shows you a little bit of a preview to my, my desire to perform, to please God and to please others. And so um, as I grew up with my parents and I had a sibling who probably took a little bit more of their negative attention 
um, than I did. And I got to watch that in an older sibling and go, okay, I for sure don't want that. I only want their positive attention. And so what that started to do, though, is it caused me to try and hide certain behaviors that showed the sinfulness of my own soul because I only wanted them to be pleased with me. And if there was one word um, that I could say described me, even as a little kid, it was just like passion. Like I was so excited like life calling level excited about way too many things. So like about good food and hugs and people and sports and traveling. And later on in life, I found out I'm at seven on the Enneagram, which if you hate the Enneagram, delete what I'm saying. But for me, it helped me understand a little bit of that um, constant need to be filled. Um, And what it ended up doing is when that, that passion and I got to the age of kind of that sexual exploration, I kind of had an early sexual awakening that turned into a lot of curiosity and desire. And that desire gave way to secret sin of lust and masturbation. And so here I am as the daughter of an elder and a church kid and somebody that people would look at and go, oh, you are wise beyond your years. So much so that I met a girl that um, everybody in a room was saying that. And I just felt, I I was super weird, y'all. I just went and I told her, hey, yes, you are wise beyond your years, but you're also flawed. And if you're ever tempted to hide that for a decade, don't do it. (laughs) Because what had happened to me is I had heard that so often of, oh, you're wise. Oh, you know, those accolades that we get as children who grow up as Christians sometimes. And I just held on to it and thought if anybody ever really knew my sin, if they ever really knew I would be disqualified from ministry, I wouldn't be able to play the sports that I, I just thought my whole life, I heard you heard fear of failure, but my whole life I had built up such a wall of lies that for the next 10 years, that cycle of falling to the sin of lust and masturbation, swearing to God, I'd never do it again, but not bringing anybody else into the equation. It was just me and God, and I just promised. And I don't know about you guys, but any church kids in here, anybody grow up in the church? So I don't know about you all, but like when I was a little girl and we were doing the church camp thing, like for the guys' breakouts, it was like, guys, we're gonna talk about lust. And for girls... (laughs) It was like, girls, if you struggle with like, you know, self-image and stuff, you can go over here to this breakout. And for me, listen, I've been chubby since I could walk. And, but I'm just fine with this, you know? Like it wasn't something that was really at the root of my insecurities. But from a very young age, I felt very broken because I thought what I struggle with is not something that girls are allowed to struggle with. And so that really reinforced that struggle of, I need to be alone. No one needs to ever know. By God's kind grace, when I got to college, I sat and listened to a sermon one day that was talking um, just about hidden sin. And I felt kind of like what Ryan was talking about in Psalm 32. I felt the weight of my sin on me as heavy as I'd ever felt it before. And when I left that sermon that day, I went and I confessed to a friend of mine. And I just knew that as soon as I confessed, she was never going to talk to me again. Because this just wasn't something anybody had ever talked about. We didn't grow up with a regeneration. And so I knew she wouldn't talk to me, but she met me with grace. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that is so unique about this place, is we think we're going to really pull whammies on people when we share what we've been struggling with. And isn't it kind of annoying sometimes when your teacher's like, thank you for sharing. Next. (laughs) And you're like, I just dropped a serious bomb on you. And they're like, welcome to the fellowship of the unqualified, honey. We're all the same at the foot of the cross. 
Amen. So anyway, amen. So anyway, I think what the Lord has done in my heart, as I shared with one person and another person and another, is overnight he didn't get me to a place where I would ever want to share with a co-ed room full of people about my struggles. But by his grace, I will now share with a room 20 times this size because my sin does not identify me. My sin does not define me. It doesn't define you. There's a son of God who has set you free. And I walk in freedom tonight from that. Amen. You're so sexy when you get all preachy and everything. (laughs) I love you. All right. So, hey, now, uh, that's just part of our story and part of our brokenness. And I think for a lot of us, like, we walk in here with brokenness. And so we just want to take a time just to talk about, hey, just four things that God has been teaching us as it pertains to sexual sin. And so we're going to talk about, hey, why do we run to sexual sin? Um, Why God cares about this so much? how sexual sin is destructive and how we can experience freedom. And so we're just gonna start off with like, why do we run to this? So for myself, I can just say I ran to it because I had that insatiable need to be filled and I constantly believed the lie that something other than Christ was gonna be the thing that would fill it. And then the other thing, just being candid, um, I felt undesirable. I didn't have, I was the kind of gal that every guy was like, oh, you're going to make some guy so happy someday. And I'm like, but you're not asking me out, you know? So I didn't date around. I felt like the person that just um, was always going to be the friend. And so those were the things that were uh, just lying to me that made me run to my sin. And then for me, it was an escape. Like it was my solution when I was bored. It was my solution when I was overwhelmed. It was my solution when I was, a, when I was sad. And so it was an escape for me to where I can go to another world uh, to where I can find uh, pleasure and attention and just escape from maybe the problems of my current life. Also, it was just a way to find pleasure. Like, it, it was enjoyable. Um, and I think that's one of the things that's so deceptive about sin is sin is, there's always something that, that draws us to it. There's a lure there. If sin wasn't enjoyable or pleasurable, we wouldn't run to it. And so it was a place that I could find quick and easy pleasure. And then also just rebellion. Like, I know in, in my public life, I tried so hard to do what was right And this was something that was out of bounds. And so I just wanted to go and do something at times that were out of bounds. Um, And that's even something I still struggle with. Like as I'm wrestling with trying to find comfort in food, like I don't know if I confess in this room, but confess to my team. Like there was time that I just went, after Callie went to bed and I go grab an Oreo when we're not eating sweets. It's like, hey, it's not just because I want, I do want it. I like the Oreos, but it's like, it was just out of bounds. And I want to go do something um, that is rebellious at times. And why we run to our sin, no matter what the sin is that has brought you here or the myriad of sins, it can be a bunch of different reasons. For for masturbation specifically, you might go, I don't actually even understand why you're saying it is a sin. And I think that can be something that can be understandable and something we want to process through with you. Um, If you're running to men that you or women that you know are not at the standard that God wants for you because maybe somewhere you've got this time clock that you're reaching that you always thought you'd be married by a certain age and you're not. Or maybe you're running from past hurts or the pain of your family and you're looking for that comfort that only Jesus can provide, but you're looking for it somewhere else. And no matter what it is, um, Augustine has an amazing quote in the book Confessions. He says, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. And I think that idea of our heart only finding rest in God is, is one of the main reasons why God cares so much about this. 
Like God cares so much about this because he is a good God who created you, who created me, and he wants us to flourish. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God has come that we may have life and life abundantly, and he wants that life for you. And as we think about just sexual intimacy and then the other side of it being sexual sin is that God has given us this gift of sexual intimacy because he's a good God and he wants us to enjoy it. And the purpose of you know, sexual intimacy is threefold. Um, it's for procreation, you know, to have kids. Um, it's for pleasure. He is a God who wants us to enjoy pleasure and it's also for oneness. And you can only enjoy those three things truly to its fullest, without shame, without guilt, um, and the confines of marriage, a commitment between one man and one woman and a lifelong covenant commitment. And it's just like this analogy of a fire, that a fire is good and it provides warmth, it provides comfort, it brings people together. Um, but when a fire is not in a fireplace, it causes destruction. And God wants to keep us from that destruction and that pain that can leave scars for so many years. And then another one, I mean, even if you're single, like God, whether you're single or married, God calls us to purity. He calls us to sanctification. He calls us to deny ourselves. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus. Deny yourself, your desires, your wants, what you want in the moment. Pick up your cross daily and follow after Jesus. And so another aspect to it is like, hey, deny these things that are fleeting pleasures and follow after me. And there's something better here. And the third reason why God cares about this is we were made to crave. That is something that we were given as human beings. And I think for a long time with some of my impulses and desires, I just thought, no, just cut off the desires completely. But I think through verses like Psalm 1611, I've learned, no, I'm a creature who was made to crave. I'm just craving and satiating myself with the wrong thing. So Psalm 1611 says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence, in your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The very thing that I was seeking pleasure is to be found only when I'm gazing at my Savior. And so the next one is just how is this destructive? Like sin, no matter what it is, causes destruction. And the enemy of lies, Satan, like he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And this is an area, there's a reason why there's a whole section in your inventory on sexual sin because this causes so much destruction, no matter what your history is, no matter what your history is, there's so much destruction here that we need to sift through to allow God to help us experience healing. And one of that just, those destructive things is just lifelong scars. Like even though I came through recovery 13 years ago, um, began to experience freedom in a new way, and us, we began to experience restoration in the midst of our broken trust, uh, because of my secret sin in our marriage, um, there's just scars in my life. There's scars relationally, there's scars personally that we will have to deal with for the rest of our lives. And even though some of my, some of the ways that I gave into lust, looking at pornography and masturbation was like years ago, decades ago, like I'll be driving by the road and I'll just be flooded with memories, with images, with things that I've done. And I was like, where in the world did that come from? And that's when there's an enemy that wants to like, just involve us in this spiritual warfare that we're a part of. And he's wanting to steal, kill, and destroy. And so just know that there's lifelong scars that I know that I've had to deal with. And other things is like, this is a mirage. Like sex outside of marriage, sex outside of mutually giving yourselves to one another in marriage, because there can be sexual sin in marriage as well. Yeah. That's a whole other night for a whole other topic. But um, 
any type of sexual morality is a mirage because it keeps us from experiencing the real thing that God wants us to hold out for. It's addictive. It, it induces shame and embarrassment. Um, and for someone who worshiped what other people thought of me, like it caused me to manage my sin um, and in that not prosper in the way God wanted me to. Sin is so deceptive. Um, I'm just going to say sin, it is, our sin is destructive because sin deceives and culture deceives. Sin deceives us in a way that what promises pleasure, like Ryan said, is a mirage. It actually brings pain and shame more than we could have ever even imagined. It makes me think about Psalm, again, 32, like Ryan said. He said, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. Like the heaviness that we feel when we're not confessing is the deception of sin. It's that fruit with Eve in the garden where he's like, are you sure God didn't say this? Are you sure he didn't want this for you? If God can't, if Satan can't convince you that God isn't real, he's definitely going to try and convince you that God isn't good, that he doesn't have your good at his heart. And what I'm so grateful for at this church is the lie that I believed that if anyone ever knew my sin, no one would ever let me do ministry. Y'all, it is because of my sin and freedom from it that I've ever been given a platform at this church. And that's a different kind of faith. When you allow someone through their weakness to share showing that God himself is what's strong. So sin deceives and then culture deceives. Culture just tells us, hey, especially in this culture now, it's I'm gonna define my truth. What's my truth? And if sex is good for you, you do you and I'm not gonna say anything. Y'all, there's nothing as a parent there's nothing in this life that would ever make sense for me to let my children just go do anything that they think they want because it's not healthy for them. And I think we've forgotten that holding back discipline and withholding is, is a gift to God and it's a gift to ourselves. And last, we're going to talk through how to experience freedom because God cares about your sin, mm -hmm. even though it's destructive and he wants you to experience freedom. We want freedom for you. And we believe Sometimes in a recovery ministry, it can be difficult to walk up to someone who's got such a huge smile on their face when you're enduring some of the hardest things you've ever walked through, but that's because we have hope in God's word. And so the first place that starts is confession in community. It is telling. Uh, the thing, one of the things that Ryan forgot in his testimony is when he first confessed to me, it took him about Three days. 37, 72 hours to actually get the whole story out. And the Swiss cheese version. It was a Swiss cheese version of a confession. But at the same time, it finally all came out. And the weight that I would say that you felt lifted off of your shoulders when you confessed in fullness mm -hmm. to someone who is trustworthy is so different than if you try to hedge and hold things back. James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Mm -hmm. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I would also submit to you that the prayer of an unrighteous person still gets to be heard. Praise God. <laughs> And I think about, it was about that confession is, again, I was in full-time ministry. I was telling people about the hope and healing that can be found in Jesus, but I wasn't trusting in that hope and healing for myself. I thought, oh, that was, that's for the person who's a pagan and then comes to the Lord. But for me, there isn't repentance. There isn't forgiveness. Um, and honestly, like it, it was you all. Like it was, it was Burke Autry and Mike Jackson who are my leaders. It was the men that were in that circle with me 
that because it, it didn't just change overnight. It was week after week after week after confessing and having them receive me. It was my community group. It was my wife coming alongside me um, just to help me experience God's grace because I was fearful that if I was fully known, um, I would be rejected. And I think that's the same for a lot of us. Um, and so just one of the calls is just, what does it look like for you tonight in the midst of confession in your group, whether it's sexual sin or something else, just to, to lay it all out and to share openly what you've been walking through. And the next one is just repentance. Like we have to fight and flee. Um, and so with fighting, like we need to recognize that this is a spiritual battle that we're in. We do not wage war against flesh and blood, but we wage war against the spiritual realm. And therefore every single day as followers of Christ, like we have to put on the full armor of God and go into this fight. And that's one of the ways that we repent is fighting against uh, what's going on in life. And another way that we um, repent is sometimes fleeing. We need to change our ways and turn and do something different. Like 1 Corinthians 6, I'm not gonna read it, but it just talks about fleeing from sexual immorality. Um, and not only do we need to flee in the midst of repentance, like we need to cut off access. And I just want you to know for me, when I was giving into my addiction on a regular basis, this was the time when this beautiful little device, this little demon box um, came out called the iPhone. And so um, when this came out, this, be, this gave me and so many others like instant access to the internet. And so for me, I was an addict. I was an alcoholic that was carrying my bottle of scotch around me all day long through this phone. My addiction wasn't alcohol, it was pornography. And so one of the things I had to do as I, had, I came through recovery and as I was surrounded by community is I had to cut off access to where I was running to to find life apart from Jesus. And so for me, like my community recommended this and I did. I went from the smartphone to the dumb phone. And I had this for about a year. I just want you to know when you haven't used this in a while, it takes you about 20 minutes to send a text message to your friends. <laughs> but I did it and it was, it was a pain. My calendar was on my computer, all these other things. But I think that's what Jesus is calling us to. Like, hey, if your right hand is good, but it's leading you to sin, cut it off. If your right eye is good and it's leading you to sin, gouge it out. If there's things in your life that are good, but they're doorways towards death, get rid of them for the sake of your righteousness. And that's a part of our repentance plan and what we need to do. Um, and so we repent um, and cutting off access. And then lastly, we replace it with something greater. And so, you know, I talked about Psalm 16 earlier. In his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. For me, it was not enough just to say, hey, don't fall into the sin of lust and masturbation. It was five steps before that. So that when Ryan was out of town, my phone goes into the bathroom. And it still does to this day. Before I read any book or watch any television show, I'm asking my community group, hey, can you just pre-screen that for me? And they've come up with fun ways to go, you know, not for Callie. And I'm just like, great, I don't say anymore. I don't need to read it. I don't need to see it. And it's something that's understanding how I'm wired by not just pulling what's wrong out of my life, but just ingratiating myself with Jesus. It's listening to his word when I'm struggling and just letting it wash over my soul. It's asking for help from community groups. It's finding other things that I can be passionate about that bring out the beauty of the Lord. But we don't just, there's so many places in scripture that talk about this, but we wanna be like the woman in John 4 that Jesus says, when you drink from this water, you will never mm -hmm. thirst again. That's the water that I wanna be replacing what I'm running from and adding to my life. Yeah. And the beauty of this is that this is what you're doing or will do as you come through Regen. 
So as we think about confess, that's step five. Repent, that's step six. Follow, follow Jesus. Find life and satisfaction in him. That's step seven. And I just want you to know, it doesn't end when you finish Regen. Like there's a reason why it's a commencement and not a graduation. Because this recovery lifestyle is a lifetime journey for all of us. No matter where we are, it is a lifelong journey until we are with God in heaven and in glory. And so we have to continue these steps over and over again. And just want to end in just letting you know that no matter where you are in your journey with sexual sin, whether it is lust, pornography, and masturbation, or it's something else, or that's not your struggle. That's not the main reason why you came here. It was something else. I want you to know that God is able, we want you to know that God is able to redeem and restore no matter what you walked in here with. And he wants to. He wants to redeem and restore you far greater than you'll ever want to. And so just the call is just to continue to take that next step. What is your next step of faithfulness? If this is your first night here, it's to come to first-time guests and just be reminded that you're not alone. If you're in groundwork, just continue those steps faithfully day by day. Continue going on throughout your steps and with inventory and begin to experience the healing and hope that Jesus wants for you. And I just want you to know that if you're single, like there's redemption and healing for you. Um, if you're married or you want to be married, God can restore and heal those wounds. There may be scars, but he can redeem and restore and heal. And that before coming to Regen, I spent eight years in re-engage and got to hear story after story of couples, both while they were married, before they got married, experiencing the pain and the brokenness because of sexual sin, but experiencing healing and recovery because of that. And just want you to know that you're not alone, that God loves you and he wants you to experience healing and hope in him. And so if you have questions about how you experience that healing and hope in Jesus, I just encourage you, go to your leaders tonight, come to someone that's a part of this ministry and just ask how you can begin to experience healing and hope alongside of them. We love you guys. Thank you for letting us share.